Welcome to Letters to Women, a podcast where we explore and embrace what it means to live out the feminine genius in our everyday lives as Catholic women. I'm Chloe Langer, and in today's episode, I'm sitting down with Emily Jaminette, and we're talking about why now is the perfect time to revisit a classic Catholic devotion to the Sacred Heart. You may remember a picture of the Sacred Heart of Jesus hanging in your grandparents' or your parents' home, or maybe seeing one at church growing up. But what does devotion to the Sacred Heart really mean for our daily lives as Catholic women? Not only are we talking about some amazing promises that Christ made to accompany devotion to the Sacred Heart, Emily and I even dive into our favorite depictions of the Sacred Heart and why art is important for your home. If you're looking for a place of rest in a year where we felt like we're always waiting for the other shoe to drop, sister, this letter is for you. Before we start, though, I want to share about a sponsor for today's episode, Pink Salt Riot. Pink Salt Riot is all about true and beautiful goods designed and handmade in the United States for faith-filled people. From unique accessories and apparel to paper goods and their joy box subscriptions, Pink Salt Riot is the perfect place to turn to for Christmas shopping this year. Use the code CHLOE, C-H-L-O-E, all caps, for 10% off your purchase at checkout when you shop at PinkSaltRiot.com. If you're looking for the perfect Catholic Christmas gift for someone, and we all know that after Thanksgiving comes and goes, we'll blink and it will be Christmas, I cannot recommend their sticker squad or their joy boxes enough. Again, use the code CHLOE at checkout at PinkSaltRiot.com for 10% off your purchase. This year, let's support small Catholic businesses with our holiday shopping. It's been a rough year for many of them too, so let's support them with and their families with our dollars. Now, let's learn about resting in the sacred heart with Emily. I'm welcoming to the show Emily Jaminette. Emily is a Catholic author, speaker, radio personality, wife, and mom of seven children. And she's also the executive director of the Sacred Heart Enthronement Network and the co-founder of InspireTheFaith.com. You may recognize Emily from an episode three years back when she shared about virtuous friendships and the Friendship Project. Emily, welcome back to Letters to Women. It's so good to have you on the show. Oh, thank you so much for having me on your podcast. I absolutely love the topic of the Sacred Heart and the importance of promoting the dignity of all women and just that they know that they are so cherished and loved, especially by Jesus Christ. So what a great time we're going to have. It's going to be wonderful. So we're going to talk this episode about your brand new book, Secrets of the Sacred Heart, and why a devotion to the Sacred Heart is so important in today's world. But to start us off, Emily, can you tell me more about your story as a Catholic woman? Sure. I am, as you mentioned, a mother of seven children. I have been married for about 23 years, and my oldest is 21, and my youngest is four. So the years of lots of little babies have kind of come and gone, and now I'm into straddling young adults to getting my preschooler at the end of the day. But my real identity journey is that I've always been a practicing Catholic. I come from a beautiful Catholic family. Um, there were four children in my family. My brother is a Catholic priest. My parents have been just very strong advocates for the Catholic faith and the new evangelization, really done with love. They're just really classy. They're, they're just amazing examples to me on um, how to integrate faith and, and fun. So I'm, I'm very blessed with that. I went to Franciscan University in Steubenville, where that's a deep, where I really had a deepening of my faith. I, it was the first time I'd ever been really in Catholic school since first grade. So that was a big jump from a public school identity onto this very, you know, Catholic college. But what I came out is just this desire to authentically live my faith and to be open to the will of God in each and every day. And um, to seek joy, to seek this um, 
a great adventure that comes through living out a very um, balanced and integrated and obviously my desire to be holy. So it's it's just uh, kind of where I'm at. And I really, I was telling you before we started, I, I didn't ever think I would end up with like a Catholic bio of you know <laughs> publishing my fifth book. And that was not my my aspirations. Um, this whole, you know, recent jump really didn't start until about 2014, 2015, and um, a dab in radio before that. So it's it's fun to see where the Lord's uh, been able to take me. You recently wrote a brand new book with Ave Maria Press called Secrets of the Sacred Heart, The 12 Ways to Claim Jesus's Promise in Your Life. Can you tell me about the inspiration behind this book? And it's just this beautiful, fresh look at 12 promises that Christ made St. Margaret Mary Alicoke. You know, I, I can tell you, I have a really cool story on my inspiration, and that is this legacy of the Sacred Heart that has been passed on to me, not only from my parents' devotion, but really going back another generation, my grandparents' gener- my grandparents' devotion, along with all of my, we call them the holy greats. Hopefully every family has some greats that you admire, not only in their, their joy, but their, in how they lived their life, but really how they um, had such a strong faith in, in Christ, in the church, and a devotion to the Sacred Heart. So my uh, grandfather lived, worked at Ford Motor Company his whole life. He worked as a third shift, and, um, you know, when he went on and retired, he began this small little hobby that began in his basement where he would he would make these plaques, um, take an image of the Blessed Mother, so the Immaculate Heart, and then one of the Sacred Heart. He would put it on, like, a hard board, glue it, cut it, box it, and then he had all these boxes in his basement. Well, it turns out that these images were then being sent out through the men of the Sacred Hearts in Cincinnati, Ohio, to Albania and India, and they were actually servicing Mother Teresa. So I had no idea. I'm a teenager. We're kind of thinking, Grandpa, you know, this is his hobby. I thought everyone's grandparents had a million pictures of Jesus and Mary in their basement, you know, in cardboard boxes. <laughs> but... What it turned out is on his birthday, on his like 75th birthday, he got a birthday card from Mother Teresa that was like handwritten. She typed it. You could see the typewriter and her thank you letter. And she said, you know, surely your name will be written in gold for all you have done. And I'm like, what's going on here? Like this really got my attention. And, you know, my grandfather was quirky, was ordinary. He was so loving. He loved a good joke. And, but he, he wasn't even a very serious in his personality, but his mission to create these images. Now, it'd be one thing if I just said he was a factory worker in his basement, but he wasn't. He was very, very holy and devout. They made a pledge. I found out just a few years ago when I was writing the book, um, or right before I started writing the book, that my grand, who my grandparents are, are now deceased, that they made this pledge to each other that when they retired, that they were going to say at the time, all three missed, all three rosaries of the day, right? The glory, the joyful, the glorious, and the sorrowful mysteries. So they agreed to three rosaries a day because the other thing they're always doing was praying. So I'm like, oh my gosh, all they do is pray in their chairs. And I, I literally wrote a reflection one time where I thought that was how they had fun. Like, I didn't know my grandparents. They're always praying, but meanwhile, they're praying for me and my other grandchildren. But what was so sweet about my grandfather was that 
he, my grandmother would say her one rosary, and then she'd say, I think I'm a little too tired to say the other two. So my grandfather, as you can imagine, Chloe, right? He's like, great, I'll say the other two. So he was not manipulative. He was not angry. He was not bitter. And he later said, well, I want her to get as much credit as I'm going to get for saying these three rosaries. So for the, his entire life, he usually typically ended up saying five rosaries a day, plus mass, plus the work in his, for the men of Sacred Heart. And then when my grandmother could no longer be at home, she was in a nursing home for Alzheimer's, and she, you know, she went through some phases. She wasn't very nice. He would sit by her bedside and make rope rosaries, seal them up, package them, by literally like the thousand. I mean, that is what he did. And I still have fine baggies throughout my house, you know, 15 years later. So I have these amazing examples in my life of ordinary people with extraordinary um, faith. And when I, I actually, then my parents got involved in the ministry, they started promoting the enthronement to the Sacred Heart, which I'm sure we're going to touch on a little bit here in Columbus, the importance of families welcoming Jesus into their life. And it, it really was the result, not of my grandparents, but them coming to their own understanding that Catholic families need an opportunity to encounter Jesus Christ, not only in the church and the sacraments, but through welcoming into the realness of life. So that, that like, it was so neat to see my parents so passionate, you know, in, in promoting this around 2011, they really embarked on this journey. And one day I'm like, hey, why don't we write an article on the Catholic Digest for you? You guys are doing such great work. No one knows about what you're doing. And I started just kind of putting it on Catholic Mom or putting it on the Digest. And what I realized was when I started doing the research, most of the information that we have about this devotion comes, you know, the, my favorite book was published in, you know, 1972. I mean, it's, it's, it's a, it's a generation behind us. And so I really felt called to bring this devotion to the here and now and say, lives are still being transformed. Their grace is being offered to you. And let's take a deep dive into these 12 promises, because it's not just that they're there, but they're there for you to claim them into your life. So that's a little bit of an overview. And obviously my family as a mom of seven was hugely impacted by the devotion to the Sacred Heart because we started seeking the promises and graces started flowing in a brand new way. Oh, that's beautiful. How incredible to have this multi-generational lead up into this book. But I love that phrase, the holy greats, because how many of us are blessed with family members who we can think back and, and recognize their witness to the faith that we may have taken for granted when we were little kids. And then now as adults, we can look back and be totally amazed by how faithful they were. That's beautiful. Let's dive a little bit deeper into this, because I think this is a very timely conversation given the year the 2020 has been. But can you speak into why a devotion to the Sacred Heart is particularly needed in today's world. And like you said, it seems like a lot of the resources up until your book have been about a generation behind. So why why are the, are the current generations very much in need of devotion to the Sacred Heart too? Well, when I started doing a little bit of a deep dive into the devotion, I realized it dawned on me, Chloe, that this was the devotion of Catholics you know, for generations upon generations, like I mentioned, this was the devotion of stability in Catholic homes. 
every single home, you know, that was Catholic, especially if it was of German descent, Irish descent, European descent, they would actually I was speaking to a priest from India. So let me clarify, India <laughs> all over had images of the sacred heart. It was part of the family. And I think partly because the promises are so powerful, which we'll take a look at, but also that visual of Jesus is the, you know, one, as one, my, lo, my local priest said, Emily, what I loved about the devotion and how my parents lived it out, it was, he was the unseen guest at the dinner table. He was always there for every conversation. My parents would remind us when we turn on the TV, you know, oh, Jesus is here. And, and I think that's so important. We need that reminder now more than ever before. And yet, as you mentioned, in the year 2020, I think every woman is overwhelmed by people's hearts, you know, like to see the hatred, to see the pain, to see the anger is it, absolutely just mind boggling, but yet it lives and breathes in each one of us. And what I love about the sacred heart is he purifies our heart and he gives us an opportunity for a heart transplant. And that transplant is a transplant of love. Literally he's offering us his love so that we can pour it out to our family, our society, and then the kingdom of love can reign. So that's that's why I think now more than ever before, um, this devotion needs to spread like a wildfire because we need the kingdom of love to be present here and now. Yeah, I think it's such a beautiful devotion. And like you're saying, it's not just for us and for our personal relationship with the Lord and to grow in intimacy with his heart, because it does that, but then also to see our relationships with our family, those we live with, those we love, our neighbors, our greater community, just really impacted by this devotion that keeps growing. I think it's just so beautiful to see it impact so many aspects of our lives as we yeah, dive into the promises and the graces that are associated with this devotion. I would love to dive into a few of these promises. There's 12. I'm not going to dive into all 12 with you. I'm going to pick my favorites. <laughs> so people will go pick up your book and read the rest of them. But I would love to take a look at one of the promises that Christ made is that he's, he will bless every place in which an image of his sacred heart is exposed and honored. How can listeners dedicate their home or their school or workplace to the sacred heart? What does enthronement to the sacred heart mean? And do you have any particular images of the sacred heart that you love or that you have loved to have in your own home? Well, I like to start off with saying, you know, don't make Jesus the king of every thrift store, because sadly, that's where the images are, Chloe. Like, my images came from a beautiful antique mall, um, <laughs> and I I love my images. I have little statue on my desk that also came from a thrift store. My mom would always say, save Jesus from the consignment shops across America. So <laughs> I think that's true. Like, you know, if you see those images, a lot of times I'll pick them up and I can pass them on to other people. Typically, they're affordable. Um, but actually, at welcomethisheart.com, we do have specific images, the same image that was promoted, as I mentioned, through India and Albania. We, we have framed, ready to go. So you can easily welcome Jesus like that. Um, one of the things I think is really important is that even if your devotion or the exposing of Jesus's most sacred heart um, begins with even a prayer card on your on your countertop. Like, you know, I think this past week a lot of women after the Catholic Bomb Summit have reached out and said, "I wanted, I want that image in my home. Will you send me a prayer card? I want to begin a relationship with the sacred heart." And I, I think that's, you know, 
that's super important. Just message me and I will happily send you a prayer card um, at welcomehisheart.com under the contacts because it's, it begins with the desire to, to welcome Christ. Um, our spiritual director actually rewound it one step further, Chloe. He said, through, truly welcoming Jesus begins with not using his name in vain in your home. And I was like, wow, that is so powerful because we were discussing, you know, where, what does enthronement look like? He said, it begins with stopping the offending and start recognizing that Jesus wants to be welcomed into your home and put in a place of honor. So as we talk about images, we're talking about placing an image of his most sacred heart in not just the back closet or the downstairs corner basement where no one's going to see, but a place that's interactive for the family. So that's really important. And enthronement is an extension of that promise, as you mentioned, where Jesus says, I will bless the homes or place in which the image of my most sacred heart shall be exposed and honored. So, I mean, I love to think of St. Margaret Mary Alico in the 1670s when Jesus gave her this you know, revealed this promise, like, she must have been like, well, what am I supposed to do? Like, you know, it wasn't like we have clip art everywhere and beautiful art. Like, this was a whole new idea that Jesus was going to be painted as she saw him with his heart outside of his body. And and it was a bruised heart. It wasn't this, you know, um, clean, you know, sometimes it was beautiful. And it looks like, you know, she said, crystal is so beautiful. But other times, it was his heart is the most wounded heart ever in all of humanity. And and this devotion comes from us recognizing his heart and then being able to take a, an even an inner interior look at our own heart. So these graces that come are are powerful because it's our heart is changing. Um, so the expose is placing it in a place of predominance. Honor is Chloe, it's gotta be ongoing, right? It's gotta be every day running closer to your finish line, which is your final breath. And that's the best part about this devotion is, is you can never, it never gets old. It's, it's a devotion of a lifetime. So I, I just, um, you know, this idea, this promise really develops into um, enthronement. And so when you hear the word enthronement, that official term didn't really get associated with the sacred heart until about the 19, 1900, right around the 1900s, where Father Mateo Cromley was a priest from born in Peru, lived in Chile. Um, he was given this amazing grace of praying before the, um, well, in the same chapel as St. Margaret Mary Alico, who received the images. And he actually had, in like he called it like an infusion of, of insight where he knew that this is what would save Catholic families, is if families could understand and welcome Jesus through the installation, through enthronement, through this little ceremony, which we can talk about. And um, that that moment was so profound, and it was actually affirmed by um, the popes, you know, who uh, just couldn't have said enough of this is this is the mission that I call you to to live out because it's so important. And I know I'm doing a lot of talking, Chloe, but I want to say one last thing on this is that the, what was so fascinating to me as a mom is that he was overwhelmed by the impact of secularization and modernization on the Catholic family at the time. But when I would read his writings, it would take my breath away 
because I look at, you know, where we are now compared to where we were about 100 years ago, because his point was it was farming, it was factories, it was poverty that was tearing families apart. But for us, you know, our families are literally being just um, torn apart through the media, the secularization, <laughs> the modernization, you know, the technology. It's and um, it's and the lack of faith, and truly the lack of faith. So this devotion is so timely for where we are now. Yeah, for listeners who are wanting to learn more about the enthronement process, especially that ceremony, is that something that they invite a priest into their home to do? Is that something that they do on their own in their own home? What does that look like? You know, such a great question. Um, that is something that I actually invested a lot of time in understanding what Father um, Matteo wanted, because the there's always, you know, as you know, Chloe, there's um, developments in devotions where it starts one way and then it becomes very liturgical another way. So obviously a priest is always welcome into your home. My brother is a Catholic priest. He can bless the home. He can walk, you know, through the enthronement process with us. That's a beautiful gift, but it's not a sacrament. And I think that's important to clarify with your listeners. You know, this is a devotion. And so if the priest, you know, is, is available, that's wonderful, but it's really an opportunity for you and your family to claim the gift of the promises of the sacred heart. So, um, for example, the images we send out are framed images. You can go through a self-guided, self-led enthronement process. We recommend um, three days of preparation and then on the fourth day doing the enthronement because we really encourage families to do the enthronement on a Sunday, a day in which they're going to go to Mass, the Lord's Day, so that they always remember that our God keeps his promises. He's a God of promises, and this devotion always points us back to the Holy Eucharist. So um, obviously there's different interpretations of enthronement. If you start Googling, you know, some people could take 30 days, 100 days, eight days of preparation. But what I realized was it's not about how long you prepare. It's about getting to enthronement and then the, the rest of your life living this out. I love how when you're talking about what enthronement looks like, practically in our lives too, how the priest was sharing, like it, it also starts with preparing our own hearts and, and things like not taking the Lord's name in vain and, and treating our family with the compassion that the Lord has for us. I think that really ties beautifully into another promise that Christ makes is that he'll give priests the gift of touching the most hardened of hearts. So how does devotion to the sacred heart impact the way that we, especially as Catholic women, receive grace from the sacrament of confession? You know, that's such a great tie-in because, um, as I mentioned, my brother is a Catholic priest, and I actually spent some time sitting with priests and talking to him about this specific promise. Because, as you know, I'm interpreting these promises, understanding these promises, and then making it practical is really important. But what one of the first places to start is when you start meditating between before the heart of Jesus you see how wounded his heart is, physically wounded. It's been assaulted. You think about when you read the Gospels in light of how much Jesus loves us, you see those hurts with Peter denying him even before he died. There's such a level, different levels of, of hurt. So when you see that, you know, in a lot of times it shows us our own sins, the areas that we've been hurt or that we have hurt other people. So the sacrament of reconciliation is the amazing opportunity to soften our hearts, to receive new graces, 
and to, you know, forgive those that have hurt us and be forgiving of the, you know, vice versa. We need to forgive and then be forgiving. And I, I just can't speak enough about how important that is in light of living out your Catholic faith. For many, um, this is very intimidating. I, you know, they, they feel uncomfortable going to confession. I, you know, they, they don't really understand that, you know, I just had my birthday and I did one thing on my birthday. I, I scheduled confession because I thought it's hard for me to even get there. This is something I want. I want to start fresh every year with going. Um, I go more frequently than every year, but on my birthday, just starting, starting with a clean slate. So this devotion is, is so important in light of what the priest softening the priest's heart. And, and what they said is um, this one priest said it was such a privilege to be a Catholic priest because you get an insight to people's inner soul, like to hear their pain, you know, make breaks your own heart, you know, like to hear what they're struggling with, but yet to be a part of, you know, let's say a baptism is the greatest joy or the, the you know, final giving someone, you know, the final um, graces of forgiveness and reconciliation at the end of their life, you know, actually is a very rewarding experience. So I, I think that's um, just awesome. And, and finally, my brother once said to me, he said, Emily, the thing that's most interesting about a Catholic priest, before you're, you think you're going to do all these like deathbed conversions, like, you know, someone's sick and it's like, oh, call the priest, call the priest. They might want to go to confession. He said, but what I usually find is that how people live their life is how they die. Like, it's not this dramatic ending. It's if they have a hard time forgiving, they carry that to the very end. Or if they're in denial that they're sick, you know, it's like all of a sudden they they recognize and, and reconcile and, and put their life, their spiritual life in order. So he said, always live as if, you know, if death is near and, and you'll be such a happier person. So I, to me, that, that was really helpful um, with why I promote the Sacred Heart because he, he offers love to everyone. I think that's such a a great tie-in too to this final promise that I'd love to, to chat with you about today, which is the promise that Christ and that his divine heart will be a refuge in the last moments of life. And I love how this is referred to as the great promise. So what are some ways practically that we can ponder this promise in our own life? Especially, I think this is such a timely conversation during the month of November. It's a month where we're remembering the souls who have gone before us in a special way. You know what it is? It's it's called the great promise. It's um, really a reminder that Jesus is offering us a pathway to growing closer to him. And if you are not uh, frequent with the sacrament of, you know, um, receiving Holy Communion and going to even daily mass or even going to a first Friday mass, you know, this is a great opportunity to even say, you know, I'm, I'm, I want to do this because in the final promise, the all powerful loving of my heart will grant to all those who shall receive communion on the first Friday of nine consecutive months, the grace of final repentance and they shall not die under my displeasure, nor without receiving their sacraments. My heart shall be their assured refuge at the last hour. So Chloe, that's like really deep, isn't it? Like, oh my gosh, there's a lot to unpack there. Actually, my 21-year-old just called me a month ago and he's like, hey, did I do that first Friday thing? <laughs> like when I was a little kid, like, did I do that? And I'm like, hey, 
you're an adult, you're 21 years old, you need to take ownership for your first Friday, you know, commitment. And he was like, oh, all right, I think I'm going to do that. (laughs) But you can't, you know, rely on your dear old mom to carry you through. This is an opportunity to, to take and embrace a First Friday devotion. And First Fridays remind us of the day that our Lord died on a Friday. And it's really a journey. What I like to tell people is nine First Fridays will lead you to 21 First Fridays because it's an ongoing. Every First Friday is an opportunity for renewal. And at our ministry, welcomeisheart.com, we actually send out a First Friday reminder, a newsletter that includes, you know, um, information on the Sacred Heart, renewal, you know, what's going on with our ministry, because we want everyone to get to Mass on First Friday. That's that's really, really important. And, um, you know, I think it also reminds us not to be afraid of our Lord and to know that He is pleased with us. He knows we're trying. And um, it's it's just a lifetime. It's a journey of falling in love with him and receiving his graces and then you know sharing what we know and the love we have with the entire world that's beautiful i think that speaks so beautifully into what you were sharing too how your brother was talking about the way that we live our life the small decisions and the ways that we say yes or no to the lord in our daily life are very much going to impact that that moment where we have that decision at the at the end of our life on on eternal life and how if we've said yes to the Lord in little ways, especially I love this devotion of first Fridays because it's so practical and it, it comes up every month. Every month has a first Friday. Then that, it can only prepare us for that final yes to him into eternal life with him. So that's just beautiful. You know, it is. And I just wanted to say real quick that I asked Father Stosh, I'm like, what do we do during a pandemic when we can't finish our first Fridays? And he's like, wait until the pandemic finishes, Emily. <laughs> He's like, you can't stream it and do a spirit. I'm like, can I just do spiritual communion first Friday? And and so it was like playing a board game when I went all the way back to square one because I missed, you know, my I was like six first Fridays in and then it was like, but the point was, it's not like I'm just trying to finish the finish line. It's a lifetime. So don't be scrupulous over, oh, no, you know, I'm at nine, and but now I'm done. No, it's, it's you just, like you said, each month you think about the opportunity of First Friday to reflect on our, our Lord's passion, death, resurrection, and go to Mass and to pray and to meditate and, and to receive the sacraments. You, you shall be blessed. Emily, we've talked about three of the promises today. There are 12. The remainder of the promises are absolutely beautiful. So if listeners are like, all right, I need to get my hands on a copy of your new book, Secrets of the Sacred Heart, and discover those other nine promises and and read through about this devotion, where can listeners find a copy of your new book? Well, if you log on to AveMariaPress.com right now and use the coupon code JAMINETTE, there is a discount of 25% off. So I, you can, and you can also order in bulk there. So that's a, a fun way to do it. You can always visit me at EmilyJaminette.com and links up to uh, different ways, my Amazon or to, obviously to Ave Maria Press or, you know, um, always find our ministry. That's my goal is that you get the enthronement material. We send the enthronement material out. We send out prayer cards. We send out images, booklets, whatever you need. Just message us. Let us know what you need. And that's at welcome his heart. 
com. The last question that I have for you is one that I ask every woman who's been on the show, and we've chatted about this question. It's been a couple of years, but I would love to ask you about it in light of our conversation today. And that is this, Emily, how do you live out the feminine genius in your daily life, especially as a woman who's encouraging devotion to the sacred heart of Jesus? Well, I think when I live out the feminine genius, I know that I am the beloved daughter of our Lord and Savior in that, you know, he is, he is the great king. And I think that living that out comes from a life of joy, a life of love, and constantly seeking to, to do a better job, as you could say, as a mom, you know, repentance. So it's, it's just a joy to know that um, we all have little ordinary opportunities to show extraordinary love. And that's, that is what I seek to do. And when I don't, I repent and usually get a good night's sleep and and start all over again. Oh, that's wonderful. Well, thanks so much for coming back on Letters to Women and sharing about the Sacred Heart of Jesus. That is what it's a devotion that's very dear to my heart. So it's been wonderful to chat with you about it today. Well, it's been wonderful. Thank you so much, Chloe. And I just love this podcast. I love your little emails. I, I love when they come right into my inbox. So thank you for your emails. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of Letters to Women. Whether you're listening right before Thanksgiving week starts off or we're keeping your company while you baste a turkey or mashed potatoes, I hope this week is joyful and wonderful and full of blessings and gratitude. Head over to my blog, oldfashionedgirlblog.com or scroll down in your podcast player to access this week's show notes, including links to Emily's new book and everything we mentioned in our conversation together. I'm also going to drop a link to an email subscription list that you're going to want to be on because this week... My editor over at Tan Books sent me the cover to the brand new Letters to Women book, and I'm showing it to my email subscribers first. So get on that email list and you'll get a sneak peek of the book cover. I'm so excited for the episodes that are coming out as we get ready to begin this Advent season. I've had great conversations about gift giving and avoiding holiday burnout, and then another beautiful conversation about making a house a home during the holidays, but also throughout the entire year. So make sure you're subscribed to Letters to Women so you don't miss a single episode. If you're an Apple's iTunes user, I'd love to hear your thoughts on Letters to Women through a rating and review, which also helps more women find out about this resource. That's all I have for today's episode. So until next time, be not afraid. 